listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Take a minute to share it tonight. It's going to be good. I'm dealing with how to deal with a time of trouble or what to do in a time of trouble. Now, if you caught my Instagram today, we went on a 17-mile bike ride through the Everglades today. I couldn't stand sitting in the house any longer. We all went out, grabbed me a, a mountain bike, and we went off. Saw alligators, everything else. And I'm not, I'm not tired. I feel good. I feel very good. I feel the anointing. And so it's going to be a good night tonight. We're dealing with how to deal with trouble. What do you do? In a time of crisis, you missed it, Joanne, because uh, the the, uh, fire alarm went off while the song was playing. Apparently the song was too hot. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and so, uh, and so tonight, yeah, because people wonder, they're like, you know, well, we're just going to trust God. I hear people say this all the time. They're like, well, you know, we're just going to trust God. You know, he knows what we need in these times of crisis. And so whatever he has planned is what he'll release to us. People think like that, like God's going to somehow sovereignly uh, just come through for every person, whether they believe him or not. That's not how it works. And so in this this session tonight, in the time that we have, I want to take you through the word and let you see what practical steps can you take in a time of crisis? What can you do in a time of crisis that will bring you into the victory you're believing for? Now, no, no Daya Sunkiss today. Today is brought to you by Kirkland Signature Purified Water, apparently from Costco. So it's good to see Kirkland supporting the broadcast. Kareem's up in Prayer Palace up in Toronto. And so uh, it's important to know because there are things that you and I should be doing if we're going to see victory in a time of crisis. You know, the Bible does not tell us that there won't be times of crisis that hit the world. It tells us there will be times like that. But then it also tells us that things will be different for the righteous, for the faithful in times of crisis. And of course, the faithful. You know, when I was growing up, there was a song uh, that we used to sing in church when when I was a boy. Um, and it was, and it would go, it was, it was one of those like camp meeting style songs, but it, it was like, uh, some of y'all may even remember it. It was like rejoice for the steps of a righteous man. They are ordered of God. They are ordered of God. You remember that, uh, of a righteous man, they are ordered of God. And then the second part would go in the time of trouble, God will uphold you. God will preserve you. God will sustain you in the time of trouble. God will lift him up. So rejoice, your steps are ordered of God. That second part used to always hit me. In the time of trouble, God will uphold you. God will preserve you. God will sustain you. That always hit me strong when we'd sing that song. And I still will sing it from time to time if we're in in meetings like that. But think about that. In the time of trouble, God will uphold you. God will preserve you. God will sustain you. God will uphold you. He'll preserve you. He'll sustain you. And you're, yeah, absolutely. People remember that song. Because your steps are ordered of the Lord. 
And so when your steps are ordered by God, then God's in control of your protection, your provision, all the things that come along with his blessing. If he is ordering your steps and you're walking on that path. Now, if you decide that you want to uh, do your own thing and order your own steps, well, the difference there is you are responsible for your own protection, uh, for your own provision, for your own health. When you order your own steps and make your own plan, you're responsible for that. But when God orders your steps and you walk in his way, meaning you're led by his spirit, you're doing what he's called you to do, then God is the one who's responsible for your protection and for your provision. And so we're talking about tonight, hey, Ro, God bless you in Tennessee. Brittany, good to see you. Lawenda, Brian Wright, my friend, Pastor Brian Wright, I love you. Um, it's important to know that in a time of trouble, Jesus said there'd be times of trouble. There'd be times of persecution, times of attack. As we've read to you from Psalm 91 and other places, there'll be times of uh, pestilence. There'll be times of plague. There'll be times of famine. the, The Bible doesn't say those things won't come. It says that when they come, God will take care of you if you're walking according to his word. And so that means faith is attached itself to his word which means that you believe he said what he what he do will come to pa- what he said he would do would come to pass. I believe that what he said he would do will come to pass. That's faith. And I'm going to walk according to that and not according to what everybody else is saying. And so what do we do? What can we do in times of trouble? That's the question we're answering tonight. It's the question you need to answer and I need to answer. Because if we look around And although I believe it's been overblown, more or less, uh, around this nation and around the world, um, it still is being considered a time of trouble. You know, the nation's shutting down. You've got all kinds of things that are happening all around us. Uh, uh, Literally, it's, it's a stall. There's a stall that's hit. And so many people are worried about what they're going to do about their health. What are they going to do about their finances? What are they doing? And peace is being stolen from some people. What do you do in a time of trouble? How do you deal with a time of trouble? So I want to take you a few, just a few things. Good morning. You must be watching from another part of the world saying good morning. But God bless you and good morning. It's evening here. Um, but it, it, in a time of trouble, God's looking. Remember this. God watches us, and this would be something good to put in the comments. God is watching us, not just to see how we're doing when things are going well, but God also wants to see how you respond to him when things are in a time of crisis. God wants to know how I will respond when things are good and when things look like they're in a crisis. God's watching to see how we'll respond in both situations. For example, if things are going extremely well, if they, you know, if you're blessed, bills are paid, everything seems like you seems like you're floating on cloud nine, God will watch you and see, will you press into my presence and spirit? Will you press into my anointing? Will you seek after my face the same way you did when you desperately needed a miracle? Or will you lay off? Will you forget who blessed you? Will you think it was your own strength and your own skill? that did that? Or will you give the praise, honor, glory to God and stay attached to him? He watches. He watches at all times to see how you'll respond to him in times of trouble and in times of blessing. Because he wants to know that you trust in him over any man, over any government, over any corporation, anything. And so I want you to hear this with me because it's very important. I read it to you last night. 
Jeremiah 17, the Bible says that cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back on the Lord. And so we give, our, we give the glory to God. He's the only one that can help us. Wherever we are, whatever blessing may be in our life, it didn't come from us. It came from God. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, when we are in a time of crisis, what steps are we being required to, are we required to take in those times of trouble? Well, let's jump into the word of God tonight and see what the Bible says. What do I do in times of crisis? What do I do in times of crisis? Go with me to uh, 1 Samuel. Let's look first at 1 Samuel chapter 30. This will be step number one. 1 Samuel chapter 30. First thing that we always need to do in a time of crisis. Look at this. The Bible says in verse one, now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. And they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire. Verse 2. This is 1 Samuel chapter 30. Verse 2. And taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Time of trouble. That's a time of trouble. People have kidnapped and abducted your wives, your children, sons and daughters. And not only that, they had taken all of their, their spoils. They'd taken all their wealth. They'd taken all of their riches. And the Bible says, then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had also been taken. Uh, and the Bible says, and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. <laughs> You know, to make matters worse, not only is everything gone, but everybody in my tribe wants me dead because they're gone. And the Bible says the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. That's a powerful thought right there. David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. That's something we need to learn to do. It's important for us to be able to strengthen ourselves. And so I want to say, number one, for those of you that are watching, the first thing you need to do in a time of trouble is strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. Strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. How do you do that? How does someone in the New Testament strengthen themselves in the Lord their God? Well, one of the first sessions I taught during this Spirit of Faith series is the power of speaking in tongues. Because the Bible teaches that when you speak in tongues... 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2, when you speak in tongues, you are edifying or building up, strengthening yourself. You're strengthening yourself. Jude verse 20 says that you're building up your most holy faith when you pray in the Holy Spirit. And so your faith is built and your strength is, is built up or you're encouraging yourself, the Bible says, when you pray in the Spirit. So step number one is that when you are in a time of crisis or a time of trouble, you need to begin to pray in the spirit and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Another thing you can do is listen to preaching or teaching. Listen to preaching or teaching. Put it on your, your Miracle Word app. Put on YouTube. Put on these uh, types of sessions and let it build your faith. Why? Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And so by praying in the spirit and by hearing the word of God preached to you, then what ends up taking place is your spirit man is strengthened in the Lord. That's why Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So how do you do that? Well, you've got to receive the word. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost and allow yourself to be built up spiritually and strengthened with supernatural substance. That's step one. You've got to learn that you are in charge of how strong you are in the spirit. Not God, not your pastor, not anybody else. I am in charge of my spiritual strength. And I want you to write that in the comments because this is something that many people get wrong. I am, and, and go down, Ari, also post verse four. Post verse four, that's the, the verse that I was referencing. 1 Corinthians 14, four. The Bible says, and he encourages or he uh, stirs up himself, encourages himself, builds up himself. Verse four. And so I want you to see this. I am, incur I am in charge of my spiritual strength. That's what I want you to write in the comments. I am in charge of my spiritual strength. That's right. Pop it in the comments and never forget it. No one can make you weak in faith. No one can steal your spiritual strength. Nobody can make you fall off of your covenant. You, and this is what I love about the power God's given us. I am in charge of my spiritual strength, without question. I am in charge, hallelujah, of my spiritual strength, which means I can't lose. I can't lose. God has given me the tools to win. Do you know, I never have to spend a day, hey Kelly, I never have to spend a day depressed. I never have to spend a day anxious. I never have to spend a day with suicidal thoughts. I never have to spend a day with any attack of the enemy. You know why? That the Lord has given me and given you the ability to build your spiritual strength and strengthen yourself. I love that. Keep writing it. I am in charge of my spiritual strength. So powerful. You are in charge of it. God gave you the tools. Now you can build yourself up by prayer in the spirit and by receiving preaching and teaching from God's word. Even when you read it out loud, you can build your own faith because it just says by hearing the word. If you hear yourself say it, then you're building up. My friend Kemba's on. I love you. You can build up your own strength by even reading the word of God to yourself. So by praying in the Holy Ghost, by preaching and teaching, you are literally encouraging yourself in the Lord. Or as it says here, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So in a time of trouble, number one always needs to be, let me stop and let me strengthen myself in the Lord my God. Let me stop and let me strengthen myself in the Lord my God. I can't lose. Let me just keep building my strength. The devil has no authority over you, has no power over you. So let me build my strength. Let me get stronger than I've ever been. Let me encourage myself till I'm ready to run through a troop and leap over a wall. I love what the Bible says. The psalmist said, uh, I, 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 by my God, I can run through a troop and by my God, I can leap over a wall. You, sometimes you feel so strong, you feel like you could leap over the troop and run through the wall. <laughs> that's, how strong, that's a gift of faith that comes on you. You feel like you could do anything that God's called you to do and you can. So build yourself up. Just get, begin to pray in the spirit. 
Begin to open up your mouth and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And, and then listen to the word being preached and let that word, I mean, that thing is strong, man. That, that, that word of faith will get on you. I was, and you've heard me tell the story about me in the gym. I mean, I was in the gym running on a treadmill, thought I'd try a little something different and put uh, preaching and teaching on my phone from YouTube while I'm running. And literally I put Bishop Patterson on. He was preaching some of these clips that I've been playing on the broadcast. Man, I got, so, and I'm sitting there running at like six miles an hour as fast as I could at the time. And I'm just like running full out. And I'm telling you, it didn't matter. I felt strength and energy from the Holy Ghost building through my body on the treadmill while I'm listening to preaching. I said, well, I can do this. I can, I can offset it. Let me just offset it by turning the speed up. I turned the speed up to like seven miles an hour, 7.5. It didn't matter. I still felt that thing building, building, building. It was building me towards like, I felt like praising God right where I was. And I jumped off that treadmill and started praising God in the middle of Planet Fitness. Thank God the walls were painted with things that said no judgment zone. <laughs> it freaked some people out. But what was happening? Even in the midst of running full blast, I was building up my faith. I was literally, I could feel the power of God moving in my, I was encouraged. I was encouraged in the Holy Ghost. I couldn't, I literally could not stop. I could not stop. I was praising God, freaked people out. But you know what? Be freaked out because it's, I'm not ashamed to praise him in public. I've praised him in the middle of Walmart. There was a time I jumped. Sometimes if you go to places like Best Buy, they'll have those little Casio keyboards sitting out. Just to be ornery, I jumped on one of those in the middle of an aisle in Best Buy and started shouting and singing on one of those little Casio keyboards. People were looking at me like, what in the world are you doing? I'll praise. I don't... I was uh, I was shouting. I don't hear anybody in aisle number eight. How many God's been good to you? And you just can't stay quiet. People are looking at me like, what in the world is this guy doing? But you have to understand that you are in control of your spiritual strength. You can pray in the spirit. You can receive preaching and teaching. You can ingest these tools that make you strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's number one. Number two, the second thing that you need to do in times of trouble, in times of crisis, is that you need to inquire of the Lord and get an instruction from him. You need to get direction from him. Don't allow yourself to just flounder in a time of trouble. That's a mistake. Don't let yourself just drift in a time of trouble. That's a mistake. Don't just go with the ebb and flow of the crisis that you're in the middle of. That's a mistake. Get an instruction from the Lord your God. Get direction. What should I be doing in this time? What is my purpose? I'm not leaning off my purpose. What should I be doing in a time of trouble? I'm not going to lean back and stop what I'm called to do in a time of crisis, I'm not going to cuddle, you know, I'm not going to curl up in a ball and, and begin to just weep in my room through the crisis. No, I'm going to attack my God-given purpose, even when it looks like it's a time of crisis. And I love what David did. The Bible says, he said, bring me an ephod. He was getting ready to step into the role of the priest. And uh, the Bible says, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. What did he say? Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? 
And the Lord said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and recover all. And so in the midst of a crisis, you need to know what am I supposed to be doing in the middle of this crisis? What is God telling me to do? What's he calling me to do right now? Why? Because the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it, the Bible says. Psalm 127 and verse 1. So I don't want to just be doing things for the sake of doing them. I want to do them because of the fact God told me to do them. And as I do them, it's like, for example, I would not even be doing these broadcasts at seven o'clock at night because I don't ever go on live at seven uh, from the studio unless I don't, I don't go on live at seven unless we're in revival meetings. And then I, and then we air the revival meetings live on, uh, on online. I wouldn't have even done this. I wouldn't have even done this unless the Lord told me to do it. You know, I would have just done what I always do. Go on live at 1030 a.m. and continue through the week and have the, you know, the weekends off or whatever. And the Lord specifically said, of course, this thing had already started. And as I told you, I was on the plane and I was on my way back home flying from Detroit to Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I got on that plane and I literally heard the Lord say, get on every night and pump my people full of faith. That's what he said. He said, get on. I wouldn't have gotten on. I'm not, I'm not, listen, I've got plenty of things. I've got my family here. There's all kinds of things that I, I could be doing. I've got more work to do on other projects. I mean, there's a lot of things. And of course I enjoy being on, but let me just say this. I'm not on here for the sake of being on again. I'm not on the, I'm not on here for any other reason other than the Lord said, Get on there every night at seven and pump my people full of faith. That was an instruction that I heard in my spirit. So to be obedient to the Lord in the middle of a time of crisis, I'm getting on every night at seven until the Lord tells me different and uh, I'm pumping you full of faith. So it's by the instruction of the spirit. We are led by the spirit of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight and verse 14 as many as are the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. Don't let your phone blow up, Susan. She said, my phone's burning up. I'll watch later. But you know what the Bible says? As many as are the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. Romans eight fourteen. So catch this with me. Every one of us should be led by the Spirit. Every one of us should hear the direction of the Lord and give us steps that we should be taking to do what God's called us to do. I will never flounder in the time of crisis. You will never flounder. You'll never drift through crisis not knowing what you should do or couldn't do. Get a word from the Lord. And if you're still waiting on a word from the Holy Ghost, do what my grandfather said to do and fake it till you make it. (laughs) My grandfather used to say that. He said, just fake it till you make it. And you know what what else he would say? He said, when you don't know what to do, take over. When you don't know what to do, take over. Fake it till you make it. Just continue doing what the Lord told you to do and don't stop for anybody. Number one, you have got to encourage yourself in the Lord, strengthen yourself. Number two, get clear direction from the Lord. What should I be doing in this time of crisis? What should I be doing? Are there steps you'd like me to take? Sometimes, let me tell you a story. Sometimes the Lord will give you steps to take in a time of crisis before the crisis hits. I remember hearing a story about, uh, here Brother Hagin told a story. He said uh, there was a time the Lord woke him up early in the morning. And he said, uh, 
the Lord woke me up and said to me, there's a time of economic, basically what he said, he used his own uh, language there. He said, there's a financial crunch coming to America. But what he was talking about was the Lord spoke to him. There was a recession coming to America. And the Lord said, now, if you'll do the things I'm telling you to do in the middle of this financial recession, that it will come, but it won't phase you. And so he started to write down on a pad while he was praying everything that the Lord spoke to him to do. He said, go into your office today and begin to make these changes. And God gave him all these different instructions. Now, the recession hadn't come, but the Lord said, it will come. It is coming. And so he said, if you'll make these changes, when it does come, you'll not feel it, not once. It will not affect anything you do for me. And so what happened there? The Lord gave him an instruction ahead of time. That's why the Bible says in one passage, before you call, I will answer you. Sometimes God will answer you before you even call on, call on him and pray. He'll give you a, a, a preemptive word, a preemptive word. And so that, that leading, and of course, Brother Hagin went in that day and began to do all the things. One of the things the Lord said to do, he said, I never told you to hire this person, this person, this one. you did it on your own. He said, so let, let them go. He said, not only that, you got into some ministry uh, endeavors here that I never spoke to you to get into. Get out of them today. You're sinking finances into them. I never told you to get involved with that. Get out of it today. He made all of those changes. And he said, months later, the recession came. And he said, many ministries felt it. He said, many that were on television had to go off television, all these different things. And he said, many felt it. He said, but we never one time felt the issue that hit America. He said, plus in that time is when we had all of the money come in to build the Rama campus cash. They built it cash in a time of crisis and a time of recession. He said, it came in and we paid cash for this new campus that we just built here at Rama. How in the world do you do that? Well, you get a word from the Lord. You let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you into all truth. People read that and they think it means all spiritual truth. It doesn't just mean all spiritual truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, all truth. He'll not only lead you in all truth, the Bible says he'll teach you all things and you'll not, have, you'll not need that any man should teach you. So understand that. He can teach you how to do things you don't know how to do. And he can lead you into truth that you didn't even know was truth or that existed. As I've given the, um, you know, I've given the uh, testimony about our friend Ashley Melton and Ted. She had no understanding of that. And then the Lord gave it to her and now she's operating in it. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit leading you, guiding you into all truth. And so you have to inquire of the Lord. Pray and say, Lord, what is it that I should be doing right now? What should I be doing right now? Right now. Now go with me to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to give you number three, Acts chapter 16. So number one, strengthen yourself or encourage yourself in the Lord. That's number one. Build your spiritual strength. Number two, get a word from the Holy Ghost. What should I be doing right now? What is my purpose? What is my goal? What am I aimed at? And let the Lord speak to you and then do only that thing. And then number three, after you've prayed, after you've gotten a word from the Lord, listen to this. Now, this is the story, as you know, of Paul and Silas that were locked in the inner dungeon. They were being persecuted 
for having preached the gospel and done what the Lord told them to do. And of course, they'd been uh, uh, seized and beaten on their back with rods. And then after many blows, they threw them into prison, not just any prison, the inner dungeon, so that they would not escape, so they'd not get out. Now look, after all that happened, listen to this. They're in a time of crisis. They're in a time of trouble. But look at this. Verse 25, Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises unto God. And the prisoners were listening to them. I love this. And suddenly, you know what's interesting? It says suddenly because it happened suddenly. But notice that to them it wasn't suddenly because they had been praying and singing praises. They'd been praying and singing praises. So to, to anybody that's an onlooker, they say, wow, suddenly they came out. Yeah, but they had been singing praises. They had been praising God. It's like how people say like, well, he was an overnight success. Yeah, but you don't know all the years that he developed his business. You don't know that the time, the effort, the money that he sunk into his business. You don't know the study that he had to do to get better at his business. And people see you once you've hit your success. or says, man, that was an overnight success. No. It only seemed overnight to you because at one moment you didn't know who I was and another moment you did. It was overnight to you, but it wasn't overnight to me. And the same is true with Paul and Silas. They had been praying and singing praises unto God and the pr prisoners heard them. But then suddenly, so the earthquake was sudden, but their praises had been going on. Suddenly, the Bible says, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open. Hallelujah. Feel the anointing on that. And everyone's bands were loosed. Hallelujah. In one moment, as they began to pray and praise the Lord, there was a mighty earthquake that shook that place, and the doors all came open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Not just theirs, everyone's. So step number three is that in a time of trouble, learn how to praise and thank God. In a time of trouble, you should pull a crazy, insane praise out of your spirit and give it to God. But not just in times of trouble, all the time. But notice this, notice this, that in a time of crisis, in a you know what most people would be doing at midnight? beaten on their back with rods and chained up in the inner dungeon. You know what most people be doing? Crying or trying to go to sleep or trying to figure out how did I get into this situation? Oh my God. You know what most people be doing? Posting sorry stories on Facebook. You'll never believe what happened to us today. We were beaten on our backs with rods. Oh, just pray. No. And they started, it's good. They looked at each other and say, it's a good time to praise the Lord. And they begin to praise and thank God. Number three, you've got to learn how to praise and thank God. Build yourself up, praying in tongues, receiving preaching, teaching, receive the word. Number two, you've got to pray and you've got to listen and say, Lord, speak to me. What is my purpose? What should I be doing? Guide my steps, lead me by your spirit. And then once you've prayed, catch this, once you've prayed, praise God. Once you've prayed, praise God. That's so vital. Once you've prayed, praise God. Hallelujah. And when you start to praise, supernatural things happen. 
Supernatural things happen. People don't realize praise holds such a powerful uh, um, ability to change the atmosphere, to change situations and turn them completely around. Literally, I was in um, I was in North Carolina, right outside of where the Andy Griffith show is based out of. Um, and as I was there, I was preaching. And uh, I said, well, tonight we're going to have a healing service. And before we get started, now I was normally just going to pray. I was just going to get up and preach. And then once the preaching was done, come down and lay hands on God's people. Is Facebook giving people problems? Is Facebook's got, got issues? Stay over on YouTube. YouTube's where it's at. And so I, I, I was just going to get up and preach. And I was just going to then lay hands on the people. I, was to, I told them, I said, we're going to. I said, we're going to lay hands on every one of you tonight that need a miracle. Believe God for healing. And so uh, I pray. So I got up to get ready to preach and I felt, you know what? I'm not going to do that first. I'm going to go to the keyboard and play and I'm going to sing and I'm going to just lead the people in some songs. Well, I got up and uh, I started singing some of my favorite old hymns. You know, I started singing hymns about the blood. You know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I started singing that. I started singing at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. I started singing all those, all those songs that I love. And, uh, and so as I said, I felt the anointing hitting that sanctuary, man. Power of God came in that place. And I just ministered in song, few, uh, just a few songs. And then I got up and, and preached my message. And then I said, anybody that you want God to touch you, you're believing for healing, come to the altar. Well, they all started coming down and the altar was filled with people that wanted prayer. I went down one after another and started laying hands on people and praying for healing to come upon their body. Well, I looked at, I'm looking at it and I see, I see this guy, older gentleman with he and his wife and, uh, and he's smiling real big. I hadn't even prayed for him yet. And he's over there, big old guy smiling. And I got to him and, and I was getting ready to pray. I said, what are you smiling about? I said, what do you need God to do for you? And he said, well, he said, I came to the service tonight believing God that he would open my deaf ear. He said, but you know what happened? He said, at the beginning of the service, when you started playing and singing and we all started worshiping God, he said, right in my seat, as we were singing and playing and praising that my ear popped open. He said, I just came down to the altar to give you the testimony that I came for healing tonight, but before anybody laid hands on him, his own praise, his own worship opened up his deaf ear by the power of the Holy Ghost. Just, and I'll tell you this, a couple of, about a year or two years before that happened, we were in the West Virginia camp meeting with my father in, in, uh, in my uncle's church, which happens every April. And so, uh, one night we were singing that song, uh, Funeral Plans, you know, and uh, as we're singing it, power of God's hitting the place. And a guy that I, I've shared this story with you guys before, the guy, the guy, a guy had come in with uh, on crutches because he was in a car accident that had caused his back to be crippled. And so he's coming in, hobbling in on crutches. Well, he's standing there in the pews. We're praising God as we're singing, as we're praising, he throws those crutches down. Power of God hit him healed his crippled, crippling condition, threw those crutches down, took off running around the church. Well, when he got healed, the guy behind him started shouting and jumping because he had on one side of his face an eye that had gone blind and an ear that had gone deaf from a surgery that went bad. 
when, when the man in front of him got healed, that anointing hit him and his eye popped open and his ear popped open and he shouted, I can see, I can hear. What happened? Well, nobody laid hands on anybody. Nobody prayed for anybody. What happened? The power of praise. Praise opened up the door for the miraculous. Praise opened up the door for the supernatural. And in the same way that it did for Paul and Silas, it did for these people that I'm telling you about, and it will do the same for you. Praise has the ability to turn every situation around. You know, if you're not familiar with it, I, I, got so, I preached this for so many years that I just released a book called Unhang Your Harp, which is the whole subject of the book is how praise opens the door to every blessing that God set aside for you. And I put that uh, chapter by chapter, how praise opens the door to promotion, protection, healing, financial blessing. I mean, all these different things. So I want you to understand praise carries power to, to actually... Uh, uh, provoke, if you will, God's presence into action. Provoke. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said one time. He said, if God doesn't move me, I move God. If God doesn't move me, I move God. Thank you, Gloria. I appreciate you saying that. And so understand, that's what praise does. It's what it did for Paul and Silas. It shook the jail until every door came open and every band was loose or every chain fell off. Let me, let me say it to you this way. Sometimes your praise is not just for you. Sometimes your praise is for those around you. Sometimes it's for your family members. Sometimes it's for your children. Sometimes it's for a husband or wife. Sometimes it's for a mother or father. And the Bible says, as they praised God, everyone's bands were loosed. Let me ask you a question. How many people were doing the praising just Paul and Silas. How many people got free? Every prisoner. That shows you that praise will not only set you free, but that anointing that it provokes will set your family free. It'll touch your children and grandchildren and your husband and wife and parents. It will touch. It's like, a, it's like what happens when you throw a rock into a pond or a lake and that, that rock hits and ripples, ripples go out. The ripples touch all the different parts of the lake, but the rock only hit one place. Why? Because it affects even the atmosphere, everything that's around you. Can I get the book, Un Unhang Your Harp in Nigeria? We're getting ready, just to give you a, an update, we're getting ready to make uh, the digital version of that book. And so the digital version of that book will be out very soon, and then you'll be able to get it digitally uh, in Nigeria. In fact, if you do me a favor, send us an email to jenna at miracleword.com and uh, we'll make sure that you get a copy of that book um, by tomorrow. I'll, we'll have it emailed to you tomorrow so that you can, you can get a copy of it in Nigeria. But I want you to hear this with me, that we are called to praise God. And as we praise him, things have to turn. As we praise him, things have to turn. What do I do? She, we rehired her, Kemba. She was fired. And she's rehired. That's rehiring number 42. Um, so number one, you build supernatural strength. Number two, what's the second thing you've got to do? Get direction from the Lord. Number three, praise God until things change. Praise God until things change. And then number four, I want you to go with me. This will be the final one that we're going to pray. Uh, Genesis 26. Genesis 26. 
It's the story of Isaac, Abraham's son. Let's go to verse 1. Genesis 26, 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which, I'll, which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I'll be with you and I'll bless you. For to you and your offspring, I will give all these lands and I'll establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and I'll give you your offspring. I'll give you to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed the voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Look at this. So Isaac settled in Gerar. So what's he already doing? He's already getting a word from the Lord. That's step number two. So he's already on track. Now, it is a time of famine. So what is that? A time of trouble. Gerar is in a time of trouble. It's not a good time to live there. It's not a good time to plant there. It's not a good time to sow there. It's a time of famine. But because he was obeying the leading of the Lord, he did what God asked him to do. But I want you to look at this. The Bible says, in verse number 12, and Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled the earth with the filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, "Go away from us." That's the king. "Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are." And so by the leading of the spirit number 1, Isaac went to Gerar and dwelled there in obedience to the Lord. What did he do? Number 4, the Bible says, and he sowed in that land. The fourth thing you do in a time of crisis is that you don't stop sowing. In a time of crisis, you don't stop sowing. I was telling the story today. If you missed today's broadcast, uh, I was telling you seven Bible principles that will make you very wealthy. That was today in the, in the morning. If you missed that, go back and watch that one. Seven Bible keys that will make you very wealthy. But one of the things that it's important to see uh, as a believer is that every one of us, there will be times where the enemy will try to attack finances and attack you financially, try to put you in a place where you, but here's the key. He doesn't have access to your giving covenant. That's one of the most exciting things that you could ever hear about biblical finance, biblical economics. The devil has no access to your covenant of sowing and reaping. None. He's not a part of it. What did the Bible say? God spoke and said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There'll be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that uh, you don't have room enough to receive. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's the part the devil has to get rebuked on your behalf. God will stand up off of his throne and rebuke the devil. And this is in your giving and receiving covenant on your behalf. Tell him to take his hands off of your stuff. 
Tell him to take his hands off of your harvest, take his hands off of your wealth and your increase, and to go and get out of your way and remove every obstacle from your path. The devil has no access to your giving and receiving covenant. And in times of crisis, when it seems like it's not right, look at, look at Isaac's story. In a time when it didn't seem like it would be intelligent to sow, what did he do? He sowed. Because in a time of crisis, you don't stop your sowing. You don't stop your sowing. In a time, see, because here's the question, how do you come out of a time of crisis? How do you come out of a time of crisis? Especially if you're, if you're in financial crisis. I'll have people come up to me during services or during revivals. And you know what they'll say? They'll, pray, they'll say this kind of stuff. Um, Brother Ted, would you just pray that God would bless me financially? And I would say, no. Nope. I won't pray that. What? You know, their face gets all, <laughs> their face gets all funny. What? Why? Why won't you pray for me? I said, because prayer is not what brings financial blessing. Prayer doesn't bring financial blessing. Read the Bible. Financial blessing comes from financial sowing. You can pray until you're blue in the face, but if there's no seed in the ground, then guess what? No harvest is coming back. And be as foolish as telling a, a farmer, you know what? I know that you you like to go out into your fields, and I know that you like to seed. You know when it's when it's the time for to to lay to sow seed and to lay seed. I know you like to go out there because you want crops and everything, and you like to lay the seed. But I've got a better way for you. Instead of laying the seed in your fields, just stand by your barn. And just say, oh, thank you, Lord, that the crops are growing up this year. I just thank you, Lord, that the crops are growing up. I thank you, Lord, that when I check in the fall, all the crops will have grown. Well, it's not taking place except by a miracle from God. And he's already given you the way to do it. Seed time and harvest. Genesis 8 says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will always be seed time and harvest. And so what he did is he gave us access to a system that will keep us in a place of overflow. He said, if you will, if you will sow, then you shall reap. That's how you get into it. If you sow, you shall reap. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will he cause men to give into your bosom? Let me prophesy to those that are uh, doing what God's asked them to do. People are showing up to bless you. People are showing up to bless you. Why? It's a promise from God's word. It's a promise from Luke 6, 38. For the faithful of God, people are showing up to bless you. And things are coming in one after another. One after another. You're not going to lose out. Those that are faithful, you're not losing out in a time of crisis. You don't pause your sowing. You don't pause your faith. You don't step back or take two or three steps back from your spiritual dedication. No, this is the time that you overflow in abundance and watch what will happen. Watch what will happen. Watch what God will do in your life. Watch what he'll do in your family. Watch what he'll do in your finances. You will overflow. Because God's word is true. God's word is always true in a time of crisis. Let me tell you, one of the things that's so powerful about obeying the instructions of the Lord is that it'll, it'll even bring protection to your family. When you're in the middle 
of what God's called you to do. When you're walking in his steps, when you're walking in the steps that are ordered of the Lord, guess what? He's not leading you into sickness. He's not leading you into disease. He's not leading you into calamity. He's leading you into protection. He's leading you into blessing. He's leading you into healing. That's how God works. That's exactly how he works. He always leads you into the things he has planned for you, not the things the devil wants to do to you. I literally heard, I heard a a well-known, internationally known preacher saying today that um, he's not sure whether or not God sent this virus on the world to wake us up. I heard, I heard him say today, maybe God did it to wake us up as, as his people. I thought to myself, are you kidding me? That's the kind of God you think we serve? That he sends viruses and plagues upon his people to wake them up, quote unquote? To actually, <laughs> I mean, this, I was blown away when I saw this because this is, if a person, if I said this person's name, you would everyone know who it was and be blown away. And think to yourself that you think that we serve a God that sends a plague, that sends a sickness and a disease on his people to wake them up, to get them awake? Are you kidding me? Who do you think God is? Who do you think he is? What do you think he does? Are you so foolish as to believe that you've got Jesus Christ, God's only son at the time, was sent to the earth to take stripes upon his back and to be crucified to destroy sickness and disease. And then somehow God is going to take sickness and disease and put it back on his people whom he has already redeemed from sickness and disease. I mean, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I know the guy's not stupid. I know he's intelligent. So I have no idea how he could get ideas like that and pre not just to have, it's one thing to have the idea. It's another thing to preach the idea from a pulpit to people that are asking questions instead of saying, no, our God's not someone who makes you sick. He's a healer. Our God is the one who makes you whole. The devil is the one who steals your health, brings sickness and disease. Our God heals. Our God is not the one that's making people sick. The devil makes people sick. Sickness, it, sickness has its origin in sin and death, in sin and death, not in the presence of God. There is no sickness in the presence of God. There was never, I mean, anytime Jesus met with someone who was sick, he healed the sickness and set them free. Find me one scripture, find me one scripture that says Jesus made someone sick. Find me one New Testament scripture where Jesus comes upon a person and rather than making them whole, he decides to make them sick and says, actually for you, uh, my father's, uh, my father's uh, desire for your life is that you be made sick. I know I've been healing all these other people, but for you, for you, I, I decided to make you sick. Oh, by the way, Diana's asking what Isaiah 26, 20 means because all these people are going around, uh, you know, using old Testament verses, uh, 
to say that's you should use wisdom during this time of coronavirus. Read Isaiah 26, 20, read Proverbs 22, 3 or whatever they're using. By the way, Isaiah is a prophet and Isaiah is prophesying about what God will do during the millennium. Has nothing to do with coronavirus and it has nothing to do with right now at all. So read things in context and understand who they were written to, what it was written about, what it's referencing. That's what you got to do instead. And I'm not saying she did that, but there's people spouting this stuff all over the internet. Well, you know what the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 20, come behind closed doors and stay until the fury's over. That has nothing to do with coronavirus and has nothing to do with right now at all. It's just poor hermeneutical study is all it is. People are cherry picking verses that they don't even know what they mean. Exactly. Jesus took our sicknesses. Why would he make us sick? Thank you, Mendy, for sowing a seed. I want to pray now because I've taught you what what you should do in a time of crisis. Now I want to pray for you in a time of what seems to be a crisis and ask God to bless you and ask God to touch you and ask God to touch your family. I know we have a lot of sick people that watch because I get your text messages. I get your prayer requests. I get everything that you send into the ministry and I'm praying for you by name and we're standing with you. And so I know. I know that there's many people dealing with stuff, but that's why I want to pray. I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for those that are watching and listening in a time of crisis, those that it seems like it's in a, a, a time where they, they are in, a, in the middle of trouble and everybody's screaming trouble and everybody's yelling crisis and pandemic. And so, Lord, I'm asking you tonight to touch your people, every person who's being attacked in their lives, in their families, in their bodies, Tonight, I take authority once again over sickness and disease. Lord, those that are struggling, it doesn't matter what it is, sickness, disease, malady, maybe they have tumors in their body. Maybe it's an issue in their blood. I pray for them now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Touch your people by the power of your spirit. Pour out your divine healing virtue into their bodies. We thank you that your blood that was shed, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, has already made us whole. And so, Lord, we receive the manifestation of that healing tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare it is done by the power of God. Lord, I pray for those that this whole thing that we've been dealing with is bothering their mind and they're afraid, they're depressed, they're anxious, they've got suicidal thoughts. I take authority over a spirit of heaviness and a spirit of fear in the mighty name of Jesus. I command it to loose its grip and let them go. I lose joy and peace tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Let faith rise in every heart in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you for it. Lord, let this be a time as families are home together that families get closer than ever before. That, Lord, you return, you turn the, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Restore marriages, heal the hurt, bring marriages closer together again. Father, I pray that our families would be unified and brought into strength by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we thank you for your supernatural power. Now, Lord, speak to every one of us about what kind of a seed that you'd have us to sow tonight. In a time of crisis, we will not stop sowing in Jesus' mighty name. And as we sow, we thank you harvests are quickly coming back. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you believe it, shout amen, wherever you're watching from. And whatever it is that the Lord spoke to you to do tonight, do it. Do it by faith, like Isaac did it. In a time of famine, Isaac did it. 
And he said, I don't care what it looks like in the natural realm. I, I don't care at all because I know, I know who my provider is. Same is true for you. Doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on in the natural realm. You have a provider. You have a provider. You know, there's, there, there comes a time where everybody has to determine what they believe and who they believe in. And we've got to make up our minds. We shall believe the report of the Lord. We shall believe the report of the Lord. And that's the key. And so that's why I'm encouraging you tonight. There's a step of faith that needs to be taken. There's something that you have that God has given you that is a seed he's put in your hand. How do I know? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 that he gives seed to the sower and he gives bread to the eater. Because I know the people that watch this broadcast, you are sowers, you are givers. Thank you, Luenda. I love you. You, Those of you that watch this broadcast, you are sowers, you are givers. That's how I know. He has given you seed to sow. He puts seed in your hand. And because you're a faithful people, and I love you. I love everyone that watches these broadcasts. I love all of our partners and friends. You're faithful people. He gives you seed to sow. That's, that right there is encouraging to know that God trusts me enough that he puts seed in my hand. And because he has, the seed that he's placed in your hand is actually there for you to release so that harvests can come back. And so it starts always. That's how I know. There's something in your house, there's something in your hand that will bring you a financial breakthrough. God never asks you to give what you don't have he puts something in your hand and then asks you to give that. Think about that. He never asks you to give what you don't have. He puts something in your hand and tells you to give that. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's an important point because someone asked that question today about what God's opinion about your giving is. God's not expecting you to do something that you can't do. That would be crazy. God doesn't want you to do something or uh, you know, go in debt to sow. No, he gives the seed to you. He gives the seed to you. So the seed will already be in your hand. You know, People get crazy about it. He's not expecting you to go into debt to sow. No, he gives the seed to the sower, gives it to you. And so it's in your hand. There's something in your hand tonight that when you release it, when you loose it into the kingdom of God, then there's harvest that begin to come back supernaturally, multiplied harvest, and you'll begin to see increase like you've never seen it. That's how God operates. That's how he works. I can't pray for you. As I said in the broadcast, I can't pray that God will bless you financially because it's not up to my prayer or your prayer. It's what we do faithfully by sowing those seeds, and that's how it operates. That's how it works. And so let me encourage you, those of you that are going to MiracleWord.com, that's the easiest place to go, MiracleWord.com. You can sow on the website. You can partner on the website. And uh, you can put, as others have done already tonight, you can put hashtag donate in the comments section on uh, Periscope or Twitter or Facebook. But then you can use Cash App. You can use pay, uh, PayPal. You can use Venmo. You can even mail a check if you'd like to, however you'd like to do it. It's what God's asking you to do that's important. Definitely what God's asking you to do is important. Any questions tonight as people are sowing? Thank you, Dorian, for sowing a seed. Appreciate you very much. Does anybody have any questions before we go tonight? 
And of course, I'll be back again in the morning at 10.30 a.m. But um, I just wanted to give you a minute in case there's anybody that's saying, you know what? Uh, I'd like to, I'd like to have some clarity. And I'm glad that question was asked about Isaiah 26, 20, <laughs> Isaiah 26, 20. Let me read that to you because people, the, people are doing this all, all over the place. Listen to Isaiah 26, 20, people using it for the coronavirus. Come my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. Now, but read it in context. Here's what makes me laugh. For behold, the Lord is coming out, uh, coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the, and the earth will disclose the bloodshed on it and will no more cover its slain. So what? We got to hide while God is slaying people? I mean, that, that's, that's, not what the, that's not the context of this scripture. Actually, study the context of this scripture, and it's prophetic. It's pointing to the future. It's pointing to the future. Another one that was brought up, Proverbs 22, 3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Has nothing to do with coronavirus. Has nothing to do with going on about your life and believing that you're not going to be uh, infected with coronavirus. Scriptures taken completely out of context, completely out of context to uh, to push fear into the hearts of people. It has nothing to do with anything, anything. But people don't know how to interpret the scripture properly. And as a result, they cherry pick verses that they think will back up their thought process rather than understanding uh, the context of the scripture, who it was, was written to, when it was written, why it was written, what it's written about. You know, those things are important. If you, if you followed me a few weeks ago on the uh, biggest mistakes that are made when, during Bible study, context matters. <laughs> context matters. Remember me giving you the illustration of when I said if I was, uh, if I was writing a note to my son and, and the note said, um, go into daddy's room and take off your clothes. You know, because sometimes I'll say that to get him ready for bed, to get his jammies on or whatever. Go into daddy's room and take off your clothes. Okay, it's important. Context matters. I wrote that note to my three-year-old son. It would be much different if I wrote the same note to my 30-year-old son. If, if I wrote that note to my 30-year-old son and said, go into daddy's room and take off your clothes. It would also be weird if that note somehow went to one of Carolyn's friends. And here's a note from Ted that Ted wrote. Go into daddy's room and take off your clothes. Well, the context matters. It was written to my three-year-old son before bedtime, not to my wife's friend. And so that's what people do with the Bible, is that they screw around with the context and they say, see what the Bible means? Look what it says. That's not what it says. That's not what it meant. It's not what Isaiah was meaning when he wrote it. Do you think Isaiah had those kinds of situations in mind when he wrote and was inspired to write the 26th chapter? There'll be a time when coronavirus comes to America. And so I better make sure those people know to hide themselves until the fury's over. Had nothing to do with what he was writing. And so people are like, people are insane. They don't know how to interpret scripture and they don't know how to walk in faith. You've got to be able to do both. <laughs> Learn it. Learn it. And we'll do more teaching on Bible study too. I know you guys enjoyed that. We'll do more on it as well. And uh, thanks for hanging with me tonight. I love you guys so much. Appreciate you being with me. 
And uh, I will be back again uh, tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Uh, don't forget, there's all kinds of, I mean, there's all kinds of things that I could say, but let me just say the Winter Magazine has shipped. And if you're not a part of the family that receives this magazine every quarter, go to miracleword.com forward slash live and sign up and you'll get this latest edition of Miracle Word Magazine shipped to your house for free. Won't cost you a dime and uh, you will enjoy it. This is probably one of the best editions we've ever released and we try to make them better and better every time they come out. And I believe this one is. You'll enjoy it in a huge way. Uh, Carolyn's writing things to build your faith. I'm writing things. We're giving you updates. We're letting you know what's happening. And uh, and so, I mean, encourage you to go get that. As well as check out the brand new faith course that just released in Miracle Word University, MiracleWordU.com. And uh, all the courses are there. And of course, we've bundled them so that you can get all the teaching for just $50 a month for four months. That's $199. That's 28% off. You get one of the courses for free. And uh, so this will be a huge blessing to you. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me tonight. Thanks to everybody that's sewing, stepping out in faith, standing with us. We love you so very much and appreciate uh, everything you're doing and everything you're doing for the kingdom. We love you. Listen, I'm out of here with my shorts on. I'm going to dance in these shorts as I head out to eat my dinner. But before I do, let me just say, we're going to play my favorite song one more time. I'm a Pentecostal and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Later. Oh yes. Are you thankful for the Holy Ghost? I said, are you thankful for the Holy Ghost? I got to say this again tonight. Oh, I'm a Pentecostal. I am unashamed. We are still the same. Worship God the Father. Lift up Jesus' name. We're Holy Ghost and fire in every way. I'm a Pentecostal. I am unashamed. Read the book of Acts. We are still the same. We worship God the Father. Lift up Jesus' name. We're Holy Ghost and fire. I'm a Pentecostal, I am not ashamed Read the book of Acts, we are still the same We worship God the Father, lift up Jesus' name We're Holy Ghost and fire in every way We've been known to get wild, let our hair hang down Drink till we get merry, rolling on the ground all around shouting hallelujah as his glory came down it's just our style the way we do our thing oh we're the pentecostals that kind in jesus name i'm a pentecostal i am not ashamed we're the book of Aga. we are still the same we worship god the father lift up jesus name Holy Ghost and fire in every way. I'm a Pentecostal. I am unashamed. Read the book of Acts. Come on. We are still the same. We worship God the Father. Lift up Jesus' name. We're Holy Ghost and fire. Can I say it again? Look. 
face, you hear me? We've been known to get wild. Let our hair hang down. Drink till we get merry. Rolling on the ground. We cranked up the music. Danced all around. Shouting hallelujah as your glory came down. It's just our style. The way we do our thing. We're the Pentecostals. We worship God the Father, lift up Jesus' name. We're Holy Ghost and fire. think was strange when I got this Holy Ghost I could not contain more exciting than a party higher than a drug it's the greatest feeling being washed in his blood if you're tired of tradition religion's done you wrong you're feeling tired and empty no longer have a fall the story's not over for you can change Feel the fire burning As the spirit fans the flame There's millions who have come And millions on the way Leaving their dead churches For this Pentecostal faith There's a hunger in the world That gets stronger every day They're crying out for Pentecost That is why we say Worship God the Father. Oh, we're Holy Ghost and fire. One more time, say, I'm a Pentecostal. I am not ashamed. We're the Buddhists. We are still the same. Worship God the Father. Oh, we're Holy Ghost and fire. was strange. When I got this Holy Ghost, I could not contain. More exciting than a party, higher than a drug. It's the greatest feeling, being washed in his blood. You're tired of tradition, religion's done you wrong. Feeling dry and empty, no longer have a song. The story's not over, things for you can change. Feel the fire burning as the spirit fans the flame. There's millions who have conquered, millions on the way. Living in their churches for this Pentecostal faith. There's a hunger in the world that gets stronger every day. They're crying out for Pentecost, that is why we say.
it's a good night to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Would you lift your hands all over this house? Oh, say what I say. Fill me up with the Holy Ghost. Oh, fill me up till I overflow. Oh, fill me up with the Holy Ghost. Oh, fill me up till I overflow. Say, fill me up with the Holy Ghost. Just fill me up till I overflow. Oh, fill me up with the Holy Ghost. Fill me up till I overflow. I'm a Pentecostal. I am unashamed. We know the backs. We are still the same. Worship God the Father, lift up Jesus' name. We're Holy Ghost and fire in everywhere. If that's you, shout Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.